Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you because Reed is definitely his own man with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from coast to coast, the Gulf to Canada, and around the globe. Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. And happy Valentine's Day week. Hopefully you had a blushing and warm, or maybe even heated, Valentine's Day with whoever you chose to. We have lots to cover. So we're going to be covering several things here, kind of our ongoing series of financial preparedness. I have some really interesting information, brief, but very important to share with you in this show. Along those lines, we have some articles posted. In fact, on everything I'm going to be talking to you about, on the rightsideradio.com, under rat-a-tat-tat, the various pages, I'll be giving you a little heads up as we go through the show so that you can read about these things in detail and do some research on your own, which, by the way, I really hope you're doing. We're going to talk about, this is our second installment on the attack on private property, which is global, folks. This is not just the United States, but in the United States, private property is, and really throughout the Western world, but particularly in the United States, it is the foundation of freedom, resilience, self-sufficiency, self-worth, ambition, economy, and contracts. In other words, if you take down private property, you have removed from that portion of the population which believes in all those things in the Constitution, you've kind of taken the wind out of their sails. And of course, at the same time, you and the oligarchs you consort with, if you happen to be in the government, or the government folks you have on your payroll, if you happen to be in the oligarchy, you are making yourself money and you are increasing your power and control. You know, it all kind of works for them. Well, we're going to start at the very top in this show. I mean, we have all sorts of things to cover, and it's going to take many weeks to cover it. And each and every one is critical. I am convinced that the government, the oligarchs, the globalists, who wish to take your private property from you, you will own nothing and you will be happy. They're starting kind of with a full court press. Yes, they're working on various different levels, various different regulations, water, air, power, fuel, agriculture, food. They're working at the local levels, the smart cities, incentive to states, counties, and municipalities, you know, using the bribery of federal funds, which unfortunately many of these outfits take rather than saying shove it, to induce policies. But the full court press really starts at the top. It's like an inverted pyramid. The big wide base of the pyramid is at the top and everything is focalized down to where eventually, in fact, not eventually, it's happening right now, but eventually it'll result in your loss of your private property, your individual private property. And I'm talking real estate. Under all lies the land. And the government knows that under all lies the land. And today we're going to be discussing what the federal agencies, the BLM, and to a lesser extent, the Bureau of Reclamation and the Forest Service, I mean, it's all the same drops of stew in the bubbling pot of treason. All the things that they are insidiously doing under the guise of protecting the environment or the big one, climate change. And we'll get into that during the show, how they're tying climate change to all these new rules and regulations and different approaches to managing the land. But I want you to understand a basic point as we go into this show. That public land, which is, by the way, a significant portion of the land area of the United States of America. In fact, in the West, in many states, it's 80% of the land area. 
That land is where water begins. It's where air is regenerated by force. It is where a huge percentage of our natural resources that we use each and every day, whether it's petroleum or whether it's coal or whether it's timber, and I can go on down the list, comes from. And if you can control the public lands, and by the way, that's a misnomer, understand this. They are your lands. When they do something to interfere with your property rights, your property rights extend to your ownership as an individual, as a citizen of the United States, of the lands that the federal government, quote-unquote, owns and controls, right? They own and control it for who? Who is the government? We are the government. All of us as individuals are the government. We are the owners of that quote-unquote public land. And when they interfere with the bundle of rights, as I talked about last week, please listen to that show if you did not. It's kind of the foundation to this whole series. Check out on the rightsideradio.com. When they interfere with that bundle of rights on quote-unquote public land, they are interfering with your private property rights on a grand scale at the top of the base of that pyramid, that inverted pyramid I was just talking about. Eventually, they will get down to, and they've already tried it, to the, should we say, nits and gnats of your private property. Remember one of the regulations our buddy Obama proposed via his hench people at the EPA. Literally, they were to control the runoff from your gutters on your house. I'm not making that up. Look it up. They were going to control the runoff from the gutters on your house. Now, if you don't think that's micromanagement of your private property, then I don't know what qualifies. And they are starting with the big picture. It's all going to get compressed down to you. But each level of that inverted pyramid that they are screwing with insidiously and under the usual guise of something noble, you know, something wonderful like saving the planet and saving the environment and clean water and fresh air and ah, beautiful landscapes and etc, 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 is pure hypocrisy. It is pure They, and I'm not talking about the rank-and-file, boots-on-the-ground BLM folks, most of whom have a head on their shoulders and care. I'm talking, when I say they, about the guys who rule the roost at the Department of Interior and the Department of Agriculture. They couldn't care less about any of those things. Here's what they care about. They care about eventually, you know, the nudge factor, which we've talked about many times on this show, the slow boil of the frog, eventually narrowing this down to the very bottom of that upside down pyramid, which is the property that you individually own, including your home. And then, of course, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, since we're going to have a little history of BLM quote unquote management in this show. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some economy thing. I have some great videos posted for you, particularly as it concerns real estate. Oh, we're back to that real estate under all lies the land again. You bet we are. And then, of course, we're going to have a rat-a-tat-tat. But let's start off, shall we, with, I think, a really, really appropriate quote from Thomas Paine, the writer of Common Sense, the precipitator, really, of the American Revolution. And it ties in perfectly with what we are discussing in this show, last week's show on private property, and in the upcoming shows, and there will be many, where it concerns the attack on your basic constitutional rights and the basic fundamentals, you know, that famous word of Barry Obama, I'm going to fundamentally change America. Yes, you are, and yes, yes, you have, and yes, you are. 
doing as we speak in your third term. Working on your fourth term, I understand, but that's yet another tale. This is Thomas Paine, folks. Quote, The greatest tyrannies are always perpetuated in the name of the noblest causes. Unquote. And let's talk about our rant story today, shall we? So, you know, we are yearling operators. And there's some years we don't run any cows because I don't trust what the federal government is doing or what the market might be doing. But this is not a discussion of the cattle industry or our modus operandi out here on the ranch. Some years it's great. Some years it's not. Sometimes I choose wisely. Some some years I don't. That's the way the cookie crumbles. But in those years, we're running yearlings and we're going to ship them early after they've fattened up on high country grass and done their weight gain magic for us. We have hay to sell. So one of the things we try and do, since we are by far and away net sellers of hay, is we try and project, number one, we try and keep our existing client base. And fortunately, we're well known for great horse hay, and we have people coming from literally hundreds of miles away to get our hay year in and year out. And some people will only buy horse hay from us, which is kind of a really nice little tribute and a compliment. But I digress. Hay is something that's grown from the land. It all kind of ties in, right? Under all lies the land. And the land and what it can produce is a function of weather, and it's a function of water, and it's a function of all sorts of different things you may employ in a given year based on the conditions of that year, which are ever-changing and, in a place like Wyoming, extreme. So we're fortunate enough to have three or four big buyers. I mean, they buy a pile a pile of bales and they buy them year in year out and we do everything in our power to keep them happy (laughs) which isn't hard if you have good hay and to do extra little things for them like load them in the dark you know because that's when the truck's coming in or whatever it happens to be but you know the hay that we sell is subject to market conditions And the market conditions are driven by events on and concerning the land, water, whatever it may be. The bottom line of this is that we have to project ahead. Like right now, this is February. We've already talked to our big buyers and they take, you know, 95% of our hay every year. And we kind of know what they want. And usually we require a really small deposit to kind of hold the number of bales. If you want 100 bales, it's 10 bucks a bale to hold it for you. You can pay us the rest, whatever they happen to be going for, which is where I'm getting to when you come in and pick them up. But part of this kind of requires some feel for the market. Let me give you a for instance, because many of you may not be familiar with this, although all my rancher listeners and farmer listeners out there in the Midwest are. So last year we had water up the butt here in the Rocky Mountains, 160% of normal. We had water going, we were dumping water this hay season. We had so much water, we couldn't use it all, and it was a problem. In other years, like the year before that, we were drier than a bone. I mean, we were squeaking out every little drop to get to every little corner of a field from every little ditch and headgate that we could. So it's ever-changing. But as it's ever-changing for us, it's ever-changing for wide regional swaths of the hay market. What I'm trying to say is that part of being able to keep long-term customers happy, and this is true of any business, I happen to be using hay as an example, is knowing what the market or having a feel for what the market is going to be going to be doing in the future. And part of that means you have to kind of, you know, call the audibles as the play is progressing, as the game is progressing. Because in the end, you don't really know what the market's going to be until the market is there that day. So what we try and do, thinking ahead, is have a general feel of what the market might be doing. So what we came up with is this kind of call the play 
by Audible, you know? It's kind of like the war scene. You can have the greatest war plan in the world, and when the first bullet is fired, the plan goes out the window. So we have this kind of variable pricing thing. In other words, you reserve your hay bales for us. We know we have a sale. You know you have the hay. And what we do for you is we don't lock you into a price. Instead, we tell you that whatever the market is, and we have kind of several great barometers of market and several great sources for market statistics, whatever the market is, is what we will charge you when you come to pick up the hay that you reserve. And that has kept us many, many clients and sold many, many thousands of bales over the years. Here's the moral of this ranch story. That is something that we all have to do when it comes to what's coming at us in terms of this attack on our private property rights, in terms of the real economy out there, and the real potential economic upheavals that may be coming our ways, and the potential of geopolitical catastrophes around the world, and there's many of those uh, potentially playing out, and the potential of black swan events, whether they're real events or whether they're engineered events, you know, to create fear so that the government has more control. Another pandemic, or should I say scamdemic. The whole climate change nonsense. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's unbelievable how many people eat that up. It doesn't matter what science you show them. It doesn't matter what graphs you show them of like the last 5,000 years. None of it matters. I mean, they have bought into it. This is a discussion on having a game plan for your personal life, for your personal property, for your real estate, for your financial security and your physical security. That's you and your family and how you interact with the community under certain sets of conditions, whether it's community defense or whether it's community standing up and saying, hell no, I won't comply. Remember, there's way more of us than there are of them. And you know, it's a problem when 150 million or 200 million or whatever numbers of millions of Americans stand up and say, hell no. Comes back to that great language, that great word in the English language, right? The word no. And if we all do it together, guess what? There's not a thing they can do. Not a thing. So think about this as you are putting together the plans for you and your family and your community circle, your close circle. Think about the fact that the best laid plans will probably have to be amended. Think about building the flexibility into those plans up front and having an idea of how you will react in various circumstances and letting people know in advance what those variables might be. You'll find it pays huge dividends, whether it's personal, whether it's economic, or whether it's simply your peace of mind and being able to sleep at night knowing that you have done everything and you have thought of everything that you possibly can. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver. 
and they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Are you a fan of the 1883 miniseries? Then you will love its partial inspiration, Threads West, an American saga. The number one national Amazon and Barnes & Noble best-selling multi-generational epic saga of the American story in the West. Recipient of a whopping 37 national awards, including Best Historical Fiction, Best Multicultural Fiction, Best Fiction Series, Best Romance, and Best Western. You will recognize the characters that live in these pages. They are you. They are us. This is not only their story, it is our story. Threads West is written by Wyoming rancher Reed Lance Rosenthal. Lois Henderson, Chief AD Library Information Services, proclaims fluent and strong, sensual, evocative, and unforgettable. Compared to McMurtry's Pulitzer Prize-winning Lonesome Dove and Michener's Centennial, Rosenthal's epic masterpiece will rival even some of Louis Amour's best-loved work called The Gone with the Wind of the West and Sackets on Steroids. Get it now. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Kindle, Nook, Audible, or the publisher, ThreadsWestSeries.com. All right, folks, let's embark on this long journey of the governments and the globalists' attack on your private property rights. And keep that vision of the inverted pyramid, wide base at the top, point at the bottom, the point being you, your house, the wide base at the top being federal lands, which is where it kind of all begins. My theory is that the plan here, the long-term plan by the globalists, by the communists who are in the government, and by those uh, oligarchs who would like to own your private property, the Black Rocks and the Gates, etc., and rent it back to you and provide you the food from it, etc., and the fuels from it. Their plan is to compress, start with the big picture, in the meantime, chipping away at all the little things all the way down to the pyramid to the point which is your house. You know, like you're not having a gas stove, that's kind of chipping away at the point of the pyramid. But at the big top, this is what really kind of runs the show. And as they complete each element of control, and there's many, right? We talked last week about the bundle of rights that come with every single property. It's a huge bundle. When they complete their control of the bundle of rights at each of these levels of the inverted pyramid, they move down to the next one and consolidate their rights there until finally they reach your front door, which of course they take through a various insidious and hidden agenda and means and ruses and subterfuges, all of which, of course, think back to our quote here at the beginning of the show, are guised in noble causes like saving the earth and climate change and clean water and healthy air. And listen, I don't have a problem with any of those things, but they can all be done without an attack on our private property, the quote-unquote public lands, and your private property, i.e. your house, your ranch, your farm, your acreage, whatever it happens to be. So first of all, let's understand the federal agencies that run the lands that all of us own an interest in, because we are the government. This is our land. It is not their land. And some of these numbers will be mind-boggling to you. It will bring into focus the 30-30-30 plan that Biden announced soon after inauguration. You know, 30% of private ownership, I guess that's in the smart cities, we'll talk about that, 30% owned by the government and 30% in conservation. Well, he forgot to tell you that that 30, the last two 30s 
are all under government or oligarchical control. 60% of the land areas of the United States. And he forgot to tell you that a large percentage of the remaining quote-unquote private, 30%, will be in the hands of the oligarchs, not in your hands. The oligarchs will rent you the land. They will rent you the properties that are built on the land. They will rent you your cubicle in the smart cities. But here's some numbers and some history that will just leave you agog. BLM is under the Department of Interior. The Forest Service is under the Department of Agriculture. And of course, both of those are part of the executive branch under Obama's third term. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Forest Service, and it really comes under the auspices of the BLM in most respects. But the Forest Service for the United States National Forests, the wilderness areas, the parks, and of course, the BLM lands. So BLM oversees more than 247.3 million acres. That's about one-eighth of the total land mass of the United States. By the way, the Forest Service oversees in a whole bunch of different ways, about the same. The Forest Service's management is broken down into, shall we say, more administrative classes than the BLM's. And the Forest Service is scattered throughout the United States. The BLM is concentrated primarily, like 90% of its holdings, in the 12 western states. Basically, if you drew a line from the Dakotas west all the way down to New Mexico and then west to California. So the Forest Service, national parks, national wildlife, refuges, wilderness areas, scenic areas, areas of special conservation impact, national monuments, these are all different types of quote-unquote ownership or stewardship that the Forest Service has. There's 800 wilderness areas, 110 million acres in 44 states, 89.2 million acres in general national forest. 8.8 million acres under the auspices of the Department of Defense, which is primarily for military training and testing. 154 national forests, 20 national grasslands. Those, by the way, comprise 193 million acres of the U.S. Forest Service holdings. Now think about this, and we're going to talk about it in the rest of the story. If you take the 8.5% of the total land area that the Forest Service runs in one way, shape, or the other, and the BLMs ate about 12.5%, you come out with about 22% of the total land area in the United States is owned or run by the federal government. And listen, there's other federal tentacles that control and run land, too. I'm talking about the two primary ones. About 50% of U.S. forest land, forest land now, not the Great Plains, the prairies, etc., but forest lands are managed and owned by 10 million private owners. The average parcel size is smaller than 25 acres. What would be really interesting to figure out is, of the quote-unquote private land, how much is owned by big multinational corporations, wealthy billionaires like Bill Gates, who owns 270,000 plus or minus acres of farmland, as you know. Foreign governments, like the Chinese, own many hundreds of thousands of acres. You've heard much discussion about that and etc. I have a feeling that we would come down to a number which is less than 30% of the total land area being owned by you and me. I mean, when I say owned, 
owned, used, lived on, farmed, ranched. So what I'm trying to bring home to you is that the federal government is a long ways down the road on its 30-30-30 plan. And there's not a whole bunch of us that they have to knock out to get to where they want to be. And where they want to be is, is in more or less complete control of all usable land, complete control of all resources above and over the land, and complete control of water and air. And along with those things, obviously, food and energy, etc. And this is, in my theory, you think about it as we go through this series together, this is my thought on their compression plan. Many of the things which they do or don't do create conditions, which, by the way, are known in advance, you know, follow the science, they always tell us, in terms of forest fires, in terms of droughts, in terms of water usage, availability, or shortages in terms of power generation, in terms of fossil fuel development, exploration, and transport, in terms of timber resources. I'm going to bring you through in this little segment today how some of those things affect the point of that pyramid, your house, your ranch, your farm, your acreage. And they know it does. It's part of the vice that they're tightening. It's part of the slow boil of the frog. But since it's happening at such a grand scale in the quote-unquote public lands, which you own, nobody can really keep track of it. It's not really noticeable. It's a buzz on the horizon. It's something you hear about once in a while. But it's setting the foundation for where they want to wind up in the end. To give you an idea of how the, we'll call it the private folks, even though we are owners of the public lands, how the private folks and their private property, their private ranch, their private homes, their private acreage, And the federal lands interact, in addition to all those things I just rattled off. There's 18,000 permits and leases for livestock grazing on 155 million acres of BLM lands. There's another tens of thousands of grazing leases on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of acres, on forest land. There's more than 63,000 oil and gas wells on BLM lands, which, by the way, generated uh, roughly $7 billion plus dollars average over the last three or four years to the federal government. Not the federal government needs money, folks. No, it's fine. They'll just print it. There's nearly 6,000 miles of lakeshore and 2,600 miles of what they've designated as wild and scenic rivers on the public lands. Oh, that must be the water component. And there are those, by the way, who say, oh, this is all fine. And some of the things that we're going to get into in just a moment on how they are compressing, how they are squeezing, how they are rotating that vice, right? The slow boil of the frog on many different levels at the top, the inverted top of the base of the pyramid. People go, oh, but, you know, we get to use them and we get to see them and we get to recreate on them. Folks, I don't think you understand. The ultimate goal, I am quite sure, obviously, it's never been stated, is that you won't get to use them, see them, or recreate on them at all. Because they will be strictly for the benefit of the government and its oligarchical allies to exploit for their profit and control over you. You know, somehow, some way, water and power and food is going to have to be supplied to those cubicles that you'll rent in the smart cities, which they also own at that somewhat distant point in time if we don't <laughs> if we don't learn how to say, no, I will not comply. How did all this occur? What is the history of all this stuff? Well, the BLM's roots, which kind of preceded the Forest Service, goes back to the certain acts 
all the way back in 1787. And that act was known as the Northwest Ordinance. It was built on another ordinance prior to the Constitution. Remember, the Constitution was ratified just a a few years later. The Land Ordinance of 1785. And these laws basically provided for the survey and the settlement of all the lands that the original 13 colonies, this is fascinating, ceded, gave to the federal government after the American Revolution. And then all the additional lands that were acquired by the United States from Spain and France and other countries, Russia up there in Alaska, were added to this mix. So you can see how we got up to hundreds of millions of acres. And let's not forget the subsurface rights, that is the mineral rights, on 700 million acres of the United States. Congress directed that they be explored, surveyed, and be made available for settlement. In fact, during the Revolutionary War, military bounty land was promised to soldiers who fought for the colonies. After the war, there was a Treaty of Paris of 1783. Britain, France, Spain, all ceded territories to the United States. The United States needed, because of the wars, revenue to function. Oh, gee, something's never changed. And they were selling this land as a source of income for the government. And that's what necessitated the need for surveys, as mandated by Congress. You can't sell something that's not surveyed when it comes to land. In 1812, Congress established the United States General Land Office, That was part of the Department of the Treasury at that time, and it was charged to oversee the disposition of these federal lands and to raise money for the federal government. In the 19th century, you're familiar with great land rushes and homesteading and the whole nine yards. There were other bounty lands, including for the Civil War, and homestead laws, and people could acquire these through what was called patents. And there were all sorts of different patents, cash entry, credit, homestead, Indian, military warrants, mineral certificates, private land claims, railroads, state selections, town sites, town lots. Your imagination is the only limitation to ways in which you could get by your fingers in the federal land pie. And particularly in the case of minerals, everybody's familiar with the term mineral patent, this pattern kind of spread across the entire United States. Now it's interesting to note that all the laws other than the General Mining Law of 1872 having to do with mineral patents, and the Desert Land Act of 1877 having to do with bringing water to and cultivating or otherwise making useful desert lands in the Southwest, have all, all been repealed or superseded. In the 18th century, Congress, well, you know, Congress has never been smart, folks, and they don't get any smarter as time goes on. They recognized the value of the assets on the public lands, and that includes 700 million acres of subsurface rights, you know, like mineral rights, oil and gas exploration. Gee, you wonder how he's getting all that slowed down. And guess what? They gave the power and authority and directed the executive branch, that's the president and all his minions, to manage the activities on the remaining public lands. The Mineral Leasing Act of 1920 provided for leasing and exploration and production of commodities, coal, oil, gas, sodium, etc. on public lands. The Taylor Grazing Act of 1934 established an outfit called the United States Grazing Service, and they managed all the public rangelands and set grazing fees. And then the Oregon and California was known as the Owens, ONC Act, actually, in 1937, mandated that lands that you get kind of as a patent or as a homestead had to produce a certain yield in terms of the board feet produced on timberlands. 
particularly in western Oregon. In 1946, the Grazing Service was merged with the General Land Office, and that formed the Bureau of Land Management within the Department of the Interior. I'm not going to go into the details on how the Forest Service came to be and kind of split off but stayed under the wing of the BLM, etc. We simply don't have the time in this show. But it's important to note that from that time to now, and particularly over the last, oh, 10 years, and particularly over the last three, the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, no, not Black Lives Matter, became less focused on land disposal and way, way more focused on the long-term management and preservation of the land, to use their terminology. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal, and obviously I've done a pile of research on this little series of personal financial preparedness I'm bringing you. And in doing so, I looked at a bunch of precious metal dealers. There's a bunch of them out there. Some are very good, but I think one of the very best, BBB, A-plus rated, five-star rated, is Harvard Gold Group. They have a terrific private direct delivery program, your house, your business, your investment accounts. They can help you set up your investment accounts to hold these metals. I negotiated, by the way, a $250 discount on your first order through them, which I think is kind of cool. And they have a lowest price guarantee, whether it's gold or silver. And they will be happy to talk to you about that and how it works. So call them, 844-977-GOLD, or go to their website, harvardgoldgroup.com, and use the code READ, READ, that's me, to get your $250 discount and some other goodies. Hey listeners, this is Reed Lance Rosenthal, your host of On the Right Side Radio, and I have a message for you. Do you want a business? Sell a product? Provide a service? Have a message you want to get out? Do you believe in freedom, the Constitution, and America? Here's your opportunity to reach 69 million sets of ears in scores of markets around the country, including five of the top 10 and 15 of the top 50 markets in the United States of America. Very affordable, very flexible, 30 and 60 second packages available. Give your business a boost and help America get the truth. Call Francis at Media Airtime at 602-300-8250, 602-300-8250, or write Francis at MediaAirtime.com. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-S at MediaAirtime.com. Thank you. And along the way, very cleverly, They gave kind of the crown jewels to the Forest Service, right? The sources of all water, which you might notice are in our national parks. Yes, every national park is the water source for a huge population centers or area of the United States. Every single national park. And the Forest Service administers the 134 wild and scenic rivers in 23 states and the 449 national wilderness areas in 39 states. These are the creme de la creme, the crown jewels of the land that you and I own because we are the government. They are also the source, the emanating source for virtually all the resources of one type or another, including the critical resource of water that we enjoy and that, shall we say, allow settlement of lands which are not part of the public lands and lands which are outside of city boundaries. The problems with these agencies began way back when, right? When Congress gave its authority, (laughs) I guess because they were lazy, 
they were taking yacht trips, I don't know, to the executive branch to run these huge agencies governing hundreds of millions of acres and even more than that in terms of resources for us, the owners. I don't remember the owners saying to do that. Do you? It was compounded further in 1976 when Congress, oh, our buddies in Congress again, passed something called the FLPMA, which is the Federal Land Policy and Management Act, which was a huge restructuring of the Bureau of Land Management and, to a lesser extent, the Forest Service over the Department of Agriculture and a, quote, refocusing of its mission. Up to then, the Bureau of Land Management was focused on grazing. It was focused on, obviously, some resource concerns, and it was focused on mining. You know, money to the United States and goodies for the people who own it, United States citizens. This act also ended any disposal of the feds of any of the federal lands. Basically, BLM was no longer just going to be about livestock, mining, and what was good for the American people and good for the Treasury. It was going to expand its control and power. And the same, by the way, with the Forest Service. And then, of course, it was further compounded, in fact, exponentially compounded, by the election of Barack Hussein Obama in 2008 and exponentially compounded over that compounding in his third term because he has the foil of cadaver out there in front of him so he doesn't have to take any heat for his fundamental changes. But now let me tell you the rest of the story. And the rest of the story will give you a taste of just how far these federal agencies are now willing to go in terms of, shall we say, beginning the compression factor at that wide top of the inverted pyramid. And it's multi-fronted. It's a many-pronged assault, which is what the progressives, also known as communists, are good at. First of all, you heard about, I told you a little bit about the fact that BLM et al. now wants to, when they put up land for bid, for leases, you know, for oil and gas, for timber, for whatever, you know, the true purpose of the federal lands that we own, they now want to let conservation outfits bid on these leases. And of course, if they get the lease, that would preclude anything and everything under the sun other than just sitting there. And, you might be interested to know, but not surprised, the installation of wind and solar, you know, because they want to maintain this pristine wilderness for us, folks. And I don't need to tell you that oligarchs, billionaire oligarchs who are funding these NGOs can probably outbid ranchers for grazing leases and junior miners for mining and loggers for logging. And now these agencies have come up with another brainstorm. They want to, this is no kidding now, they want to have the right to go on any ranch, any private, fully private land without notice and inspect cattle herds if you happen to be a lessee at any of the federal agencies of any of the federal lands which we own and not only that they want to ear tag everybody's livestock so that they can track them you know they can know how many you have and how many you might be hiding and i guess determine how much methane gas you are contributing to the ultimate incineration of the planet by the way they want to extend it thank you merc you know big pharma to ear tags which gauge the health of animals in feedlots too that shouldn't increase our meat costs i don't think do you remember that over over in Europe, the farmers are in the streets. There's a huge uproar over there, which, of course, the mainstream media here in, <laughs> in the United States is not talking about at all. I have some videos posted on the website, and you can certainly duck, duck, go it because you won't find it on Google. But there is no censorship. And see what's going on over there. It is huge uprisings. Because, as I've told you in the past, 
willy-nilly, the European governments are saying you have to slaughter 200,000 cows, like in Denmark. They're talking about doing that in England now, and Ireland. And they're talking about the forced sale. (laughs) Think about what's happening here in the United States. Europe is a precursor. It's a warning, a red flag for us. They're forcing the sale of farms to the government so they can be either taken out of production or, more likely in my estimation, given over to the oligarchs or the big companies to run, you know? Small family ranch or farm, bad. Big monopoly, feeding the government, paying for election costs, good. In the Northwest, you'll be interested to know because they're so concerned with power and the generation of electric power, which we all know what the problems with that are. They want to take out four huge hydro dams on rivers in the Northwest. This is no kidding. You know, never mind the loss of power, never mind the loss of recreation on lands that we own, but they don't have any backup power generation in place at all. And this is ostensibly, remember the noble cause quote from Thomas Paine, to allow salmon to swim upstream to spawn. There are things called fish ladders that I've known about for some time. I guess maybe the BLM and the Forest Service doesn't know about those. Not to mention, what does that do to the towns that have sprung up around these reservoirs, these impoundments, the recreation industry, the restaurants, the hotels, the motels, all the people who provide services to the owners of all those recreation-related industries. Gee, I guess those towns just kind of wither up and blow away, and I guess the residents move to a smart city near them. Do you remember when I told you that story about the BLM wanting to close? It was uh, tens of miles of off-road trails, including to bicycles, by the way, down there around Moab, Utah. Gee, that's kind of gone quiet, hasn't it? And think about what the residents of Moab, Utah had to say about that, (laughs) many of whom voted 54% for Biden, Obama's third term. You get what you vote for. What's going to happen to that tourism industry? What's going to happen to Moab? Where are those people going to go? Oh, well, maybe a smart city near them. And how are they going to sell their lands? the value of which will plummet. Oh, I'm sure there's an oligarch somewhere, or a government, or an NGO backed by an oligarch, who would be happy to offer them a cut rate as the economy collapses due to the shenanigans of BLM at all. And of course, you know about Biden's recent edict, or maybe you don't because the press doesn't seem to want to cover it, uh, that he wants to stop all LPN. This is natural gas, liquefied, sent overseas, huge amount of jobs in the United States, huge income and balance of payments help to the United States, and we kind of need some budget help right now. Not to mention keeping Europe supplied so that they can stay warm over there after he nuked the Nord Stream pipeline. And of course, where does natural gas come from? Oh, that's right. Most of it comes from leases on federal lands. Huh. Is there some correlation here? And then, of course, we have all sorts of national monuments that Barry declared out of thin air to stop leasing for timber and for agricultural purposes and for grazing and for mining all across the West. Huge blow-ups quickly covered up by a complicit media. And did you know that out there in Hawaii, those poor people in Lahaina, it seems that the state now wants to form an improvement district. Oh, an improvement district. And guess what? It's going to be really green, you know? It's going to have like certain sewers which don't emit nastiness when you're putting them in. And and it's going to be called an improvement district. Gee, I wonder who's going to pay for that. And this is by the Hawaiian Democrats out there in the state legislature. And it's speeding through the Senate. I mean, this just came out like the 14th, a few days ago. It's called the Lele, L-E-L-E, Development District. And under this, the state 
would take control of land use and development in this area. By the way, did you know there's federal lands on Maui? Oh yeah, you bet there are. The Haile Kala, and I probably mispronounced that, my apologies, Hawaii, Wilderness, and Haikalia National Park. Huh, imagine that. I'm sure there's no correlation whatsoever. And right up there, kind of backed up to the development district, is the Kalia Pond National Wildlife Refuge. Just a coincidence, of course. And the poor forest management of the Forest Service, which has resulted in wildfires, and who knows how some of them have been started, around the West. Gee, what has that done? Oh, it's that's right, it's destroyed whole towns. It's empowered local zoning boards to say you can't build there anymore because of fire danger. And where have all those residents gone for the millions of acres that have been burned? And what's happening to the properties that are around the burn area in these national forests? I mean, I'm familiar with a bunch of owners that have been affected. What's happened to their values? Do you remember that list I went through with you last week? All the ways that they're going to try and get you, get your property. And we're going to be talking about all of them over the coming weeks. But this kind of covers a bunch of those, huh? Transportation, these uh, rest of the story tidbits I've brought you. And they're, folks, that's just the tip of the ice. But think about all the fun things they got going here. Transportation, takings, attacks on value, utilities, the discomfort factor, the economic factor. And you don't think this is all part of a plan, huh? The compression plan, as I'll call it. Next week, we're going to expand this federal lands thing to tell you how it's affecting private property and how it's instigating, shall we say, other tidbits here and there, particularly in blue states. And I want to caution you that your state lands, folks, which exist in every state, if you're in a blue state, you can expect the same type of treatment as a resident and owner of those state lands because you're a resident of that state. Or if you have private property next to the state lands, which you're the owner of, you can expect the same treatment at the state level in blue states and red states. And by the way, that includes Colorado. I mean, this is happening with a vengeance in Colorado. They're even getting down in Colorado to tell landlords that there's going to be rent controls and giving landlords, I'm not making this up, giving landlords, taking away their rights to govern their own property, giving tenants the rights to have a first right of refusal on renewing a lease, whether or not the landlord wants to renew it, whether or not the landlord doesn't want to lease the property anymore, and whether or not the landlord wants to sell the property. I told you last week about California. Those people out there haven't been able to raise rents for four years and haven't been able to evict anybody who didn't pay them for four years. And all these blue states, and I can familiar with many of these situations because I talk to clients, and I can include New Mexico in this night nonsense. They want to outlaw BNBs or tax them out of existence. And of course, if they're playing games with the natural resource, like let's say Moab, gee, what's going to happen to your ability to rent your BNB to vacationers when vacationers can't access the public lands anymore? And what's going to happen to the value of your property? And who do you think is going to be around to buy it? Well, that was long, but you know what? Still lots to cover and it's important. On the economic front, no time to cover it with you. Take a look at the real estate video on the website on the rightsideradio.com. It affects your house, folks, your private property. Watch that video. And rat-a-tat-tat, time for three items. One, not so great. Two, terrific. One of them, particularly.
the not so great. The Senate actually passed the $60 billion plus to Ukraine to pay for their pensions and their government workings. Unbelievable. I'll tell you what Mitt Romney said about that next week. Number two, Mayorkas got impeached. Now, all I ask is, when is the treason trial and when is the punishment when he's found guilty? And number three, I'm saving the best for last. You'll love it. The Supreme Court, several days ago, voted 9-0. I love it. 9-0. And what they voted on, oh, you're going to really love this, is that there is no immunity for the federal agencies who break certain laws. In this case, it happened to be credit reporting under the Fair Credit Debt and Reporting Act. But this is going to be expanded. And if you couple that with what's happening on the health front around the world, I've brought you those stories about the illegal and unconstitutional mandates and the jabs and the whole nine yards. This is going to get really interesting. That was a huge case, which the press isn't covering at all. But it seems, folks, that the federal government and its agencies are now liable to their owners who are us because we own the government they work for us not vice versa and their assets are not their assets their assets including federal lands are our assets look in the mirror repeat with your family and repeat with conviction i will muster i will stand i will not comply i will never give in i will never stop fighting i will join with those in these united states and around the globe who love freedom as i do and we will win. And yes, we will, folks. You bet we will. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Keep the wind at your back. I'll talk to you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, go to ontherightsideradio.com. Click on Show Archives, and you'll find all of Reed's shows and a terrific array of informative articles, videos, and reference pages. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of On the Right Side Radio with Reed Lance Rosenthal.